Welcome to Mintel's Little Conversation. Real conversations with actionable insights into what consumers want and why. I'm your host, Andrew Davidson, based in New York. Now, at the end of March, TikTok CEO Xiao Zichu testified before the US Congress in an attempt to defend the popular social media app against skeptical lawmakers concerned about its potential threat to national security. The hearing lasted more than five hours, and despite Chu's repeated reassurances that his company is taking active steps to safeguard its collection of user data, something TikTok calls Project Texas, Lawmakers appear to be even more committed to reining in the platform. In fact, in an unusually bipartisan hearing, lawmakers called for the app to be banned and didn't seem to be willing to listen to Mr. Chu's case, often cutting him off and not giving him an opportunity to respond to questions. Now, for Mr. Chu's part, the 40-year-old Singaporean and Harvard MBA graduate remained calm and there were echoes of Mark Zuckerberg facing Congress back in 2018. In his prepared remarks, he concluded by reassuring lawmakers that TikTok knows it has the responsibility to protect the 150 million Americans who use the platform, and he outlined a range of commitments to do so. But it appeared that lawmakers had already made up their minds, making the idea of banning TikTok a real possibility that will have huge implications broadly, but particularly for Gen Z, many of whom use the app daily. So joining me on the pod today, I'm delighted to welcome back two experts in marketing strategy, Nicole Bond and Marissa Fries, who are going to break down what it all means. Welcome to the pod. Hi, everyone. Hi. Thanks for having us. All right. Please introduce yourselves. I'll go first. Hi, everyone. My name is Nicole Bond. I am Comper Media's Associate Director of Marketing Strategy. Hi, I'm Marissa Fries, and I'm Comper Media's Digital Marketing Analyst. All right. Well, welcome. Well, let's start with the hearing. That was a a serious grilling um, that Mr. Chu received um, at the hearing. What did you think? You know, I I think coming out of it, you know, very little essentially was accomplished um, in terms of really proving you know, what the national security threat was and really allowing, as you mentioned, like the TikTok CEO to really speak on the issues at hand. So really, I think what we've seen come out of it is almost social consumers making fun of it. Um, There's a lot of TikToks um, where people are really kind of grilling the, you know, the Congress people um, for how they kind of handled the situation. Um, So I think really coming out of it, not a lot was accomplished other than like the social sentiment around the ban just kind of being very separate from what we were seeing like Congress want to achieve. Yeah, I I would totally have to agree. Um, My TikTok feed currently is just filled with mocking TikToks of the entire hearing. Um, and it, it's it's quite funny how the consumers are, are responding to this on something that should be perceived as such a serious issue. Um, I would have to agree with you, Andrew, in terms of Shu, um, just there was like an unwillingness to let him speak. Mm. Um, and that was just a very just interesting to kind of watch that all unfold and just see how it's unfolded prior to the actual conversation here on TikTok. Yeah. And like that conversation, though, the one that I've seen particularly like blow up on the app is from this guy. It's some guy, Mark. He's had 15 roughly like bits about like the congressional hearing and it's received over 11.6 million views. So like he is just reaching massive audiences and it is like Marissa said, mocking, you know, how the questioning was um, put into place and like the things and connections that were trying to be made. It was essentially like 
do you all even know what TikTok is slash how to operate it? Um, and so I think that was really interesting. Like we said, to just see that social sentiment and how it's kind of, you know, taken social media by storm, if you will, and not in the best way. So the TikTok hearing providing uh, great content for TikTok. Oh, absolutely. Fantastic content. A hundred percent. So entertaining. <laughs> it felt like Congress didn't even know, in my opinion, what TikTok really was. Mm. Yeah, well, and that was uh, some of the accusations, accusations that was hurled at Congress when they had the uh, hearing with Mark Zuckerberg back in 2018. All right, so TikTok has already been banned by various government agencies, at least for, for staff. Um, I saw recently an announcement by NATO that staff would no longer be able to have TikTok on their NATO-provided devices. So do you think TikTok will now be banned in the U.S.? You know, I think it's definitely going to be a very long and grueling process, even if that, you know, five hour congressional hearing is just the the start of it. Um, so I do think it's very likely within the next 12 to 18 months to see either a sale or, you know, an outright ban and how that will play out will be really interesting. China has come out and said we will oppose and really strongly stand against any type of sell. So, um, you know, it's very likely it'll probably get banned since it's already happened. And then as far as the sale goes, even if there is one, there's not a lot of buyers out there that can kind of front that cost. I think TikTok's estimated at like 40 to $100 billion. And they're not going to let Meta buy it. They're not going to let Google buy it. That's all like antitrust allegations. So um, it'll be really, really interesting, even if there is a suitable buyer um, for the platform. Um, yeah, I mean, I would have to agree with Nicole. I do potentially see a TikTok ban um, happening in the future. And, um, you know, I would have to say this just because some of the arguments that the Congress people have been making, like how other countries have some of the same concerns that the United States government is having um, regarding data privacy. And I think what makes it really interesting is you know, something that should be perceived, you know, if it is a national security threat to the point where it is being taken off apps, it's being banned off government devices, that there would be a little bit more of consumer education on the topic. Like, what is so dangerous about it? And I think that's mm-hmm. something that we're missing in the general, you know, population is missing where, you know, this bill, this kind of legislation has bipartisan support, which is something we do not see in Congress really ever. But on the consumer side, you know, the average American person like isn't understanding and seeing that threat. So like, I do think that there needs to be a little bit more of education around there, why there's a ban um, happening potentially. So I think that'll be interesting to see how it all continues to play out if it is in fact banned within the next year. Right. And it's like, what makes TikTok's data so different than Meta's data or Twitter's data? Do you think most users even know that that TikTok is owned by ByteDance and that ByteDance is a Chinese company? I don't know. That's a great question. Um, but what I do know and what we can prove with like Mintel Consumer Research is that consumers, specifically younger consumers, right, like Gen Z, millennials, are willing to essentially exchange their data you know, willingly, no hands, no issues, no problems with it to get a better experience. And that's what TikTok has done. It's like, yeah, we have your data and here's an like an algorithm that's going to keep you locked in and make sure that you're continually seeing content that is relevant, engaging, informational, all catered to your needs. So that's why, you know, consumers are gravitating towards it. It's, mm-hmm. it's personalized. So I think that kind of, you know, use of data isn't something that's really 
scary right now to Gen Z and millennials. I think even one of the Congress people in the hearing said, you know, you may not care what happens with your data now, but like one day you will. And it's like, tell me why. And I think that is an interesting kind of gap between what you're seeing happen in legislation and like what is being talked about and understood with, you know, the general population. Sure. Right. Me personally, being a Gen Z um, and kind of just being raised with social media. Um, yeah, I, I really do not care what, who has my data. <laughs> you can, you can have it. Just, I want my TikTok. I want my personalized algorithm. Um, just don't take my, steal my identity, um, or my banking information. We are all good. <laughs> That's funny. Um, so, I mean, obviously I know we were talking earlier and you're both big TikTok users. Like how do you, you know, if it's going to be banned, how do you both feel about that? Yeah, I mean, personally, I, I would be really upset. I really would be upset if TikTok were to be banned. I think it's such an it's unlike any other platform that we have seen because of this highly curated algorithm. Um, you know, I could be feeling one way a certain day and my TikTok feed will reflect that versus how I'm feeling the next day versus the next day. Um, And the content, it's the short form video content, which I think, uh, again, it's unlike any other platforms content that we're seeing where it's just, it's it's so engaging. Like Mm. you can sit there and watch TikTok for hours and continuously be engaged video after video. Yeah, I, I personally, I was a late adopter to TikTok, like every probably millennial out there. Um, and I started joining it to look for like different recommendations or food, like places to eat in Chicago. Like, where do I want to go? Or if I'm traveling, like, what are the unique places I want to try? And so for me, I think that would be really kind of sad, right? To go back to like an Instagram, which is so overpopulated by advertisers and brands. Like you don't feel like you're getting that authentic recommendation like someone has paid for it to be there which i think is why tiktok stands out it's kind of like this like positive word of mouth where it's like i mean i think the saying is like tiktokers don't gatekeep like you're getting like true reviews of things and i will really miss that because like i'll have to start going back to like google and like yelp but then also like checking on instagram and also like facebook to like figure out like you know what does this dish look like um and i think it just kind of you know, what TikTok does is they streamline that process, that research, that search, that, and they make it engaging. So I definitely will be disappointed, but I think myself, along with all other consumers, will adapt. You know, there's Instagram yeah. Reels, there's YouTube Shorts, um, and it'll just kind of be a thing like of the past. But people will just be very, very sad to see it go. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, you'll get all the memorabilia, like there'll be merchandise, like, you know, I remember TikTok. Um but I think like anything, you know, I will definitely be wearing that. <laughs> Someone's going to take that idea and make a lot of money off of it. Yeah. <laughs> I think it'll just be, you know, one of those things where you adapt similar, like when Vine went away, people were sad about it, but then there's Snapchat and, you know, Instagram mm. stories and Facebook. So, I mean, you know, I think it's hard for social media apps to stand the test of time. And, you know, there's always new ones popping up, like, you know, Be Real. And I'm sure there'll probably be another one that comes out in a year or two, specifically if TikTok is banned and is no more. So I think consumers will just continue to move um, mm. wherever those conversations are happening. Yeah. Well, I mean, just, you know, given the, the worsening geopolitical situation, it, I guess it seems more likely than not. Although, like you were referring to, Nicole, some say in a spinoff would be perhaps the more obvious solution, but uh, yeah, I'm sure the Chinese uh, government might not allow that. 
Okay, so banned. So huge implications if that actually does turn out as you are both predicting. So let's talk about four groups where perhaps the impact is the biggest. Um, so the platforms, so by that I mean, you know, mainly Google, Meta, you know, TikTok itself, which has 7,000 employees in the United States. Um, consumers, uh, 150 million of them. Um, content creators or influencers, and then also the brands who are looking to advertise or have advertised their products on TikTok. So let's start with the platforms. So if TikTok is banned, you know, surely Meta and Google will be jumping for joy. I mean, what will be the impact on the social media landscape? I think, you know, absolutely. I mean, you're just, you know, you're taking some really strong competition away. Um, I mean, even, you know, yes, you know, you have YouTube shorts, you have Instagram reels, you have Facebook stories, but like TikTok was also becoming like a competitor in terms of search to Google. So mm. it was really not only just kind of like another social media platform, but users were going there to search just like they would do on Google. But instead they were doing it and they were getting served video responses. So I right. think it's like a live review. That was how, that's how I've always described it. Like you're getting a live review. What do you do on Amazon? The first thing you do, you scroll to the very bottom to read those reviews. Um, what do you do on TikTok if you're looking for a product or a recipe or all any anything really? I mean, you search it in the search bar, hit enter, and you have thousands of live reviews of from real people um, telling you how it is, what it's like. Um, just completely genuinely and re it's real. Yeah. And I, I really think too, like, you know, I mean, the, the obvious like kind of pivot point right now is Instagram reels. It is YouTube shorts, but the problem I feel like that these brands like Meta and Google will face is that essentially like they are so heavily reliant on advertising spend that those experiences are not like as engaging for consumers. So like there is, if TikTok is banned and like users do go to Instagram reels and they do go to YouTube shorts, they're going to very quickly like turn that, like turn off of that if it's overrun by advertisers right now. Mm -hmm. Like when you get on TikTok, you get one maybe like massive like um, screen takeover ad and you just swipe up and it's gone. Everything else is really like sponsored like content like with a creator or it's an organic post that's been like somewhat boosted and i think that experience is also why people really like tiktok versus your instagram like i think i can click through three of my friends stories on instagram get an ad three of their stories get another ad like it's just so overran with ads that that's really what the platforms themselves and even those who are trying to create you know rival solutions here need to kind of have that balance of like making this for consumers. And then when the consumers flock there, everyone involved can make a lot of money. Uh, so I think that will be really kind of the delicate balance that the platforms themselves have to navigate. So Instagram, the bigger winner? I think YouTube Shorts, man, is uh, really kind of booming. Like, I think the end of 2022, they had like 30 billion daily views. That number in the beginning of 2023 is already like 50 billion daily views. So it's just kind of that short form content. And I think that YouTube is building a solution that feels a little bit more uh, unique to itself, whereas Instagram Reels feels very much like a copycat, just a, a less great version of TikTok, even in like how the creators themselves have to create the content like just TikTok just has way more availability so I'm gonna go with you know if TikTok's banned in the next 12 months the biggest winner is gonna be YouTube shorts 
I do think though that what like YouTube Shorts and Instagram Reels, like what it's missing that sets TikTok apart though is this is the algorithm. Like mm. that is that's what makes TikTok TikTok, and that's what makes it the winning platform out of any other social media platform, in my opinion. So, opportunity for a new new player. Always, always, yeah. All right, next up, consumers. Um, according to Mintel, more than half of Gen Z visit TikTok daily. But you know, clearly with 150 million users, it goes far beyond Gen Z. What is the impact on consumers then? I mean, we've touched on some of it and you've each spoken about your own personal uh, experiences, but what is the impact on consumers? You know, I think we, we've really talked about this a lot already. So just like taking a little bit of a different angle, some things that I've started to see pop up is essentially like, if it's banned, there is like kind of this like question of like freedom of speech happening across platforms. Like, is this something that like, again, like you as an average consumer should be concerned about? Like, is this a violation of your freedom of speech at a like large mm. scale? Because so many people are sharing their voice on this platform um, in a really meaningful way, right? Like there's already campaigns and like initiatives popping up that are kind of, you know, I think outside of the hearing, there was a protest essentially that was like, you know, I share my voice on TikTok. So I think for the consumers, really, it's just, you know, where else will they go? They'll continue to adapt. They're going to miss the algorithm. They're going to miss that like super catered content. And I think that just even more so, they're going to have a lower tolerance for brands intruding on their experience. So there's a lot, mm. you know, in the minds of consumers right now. But I think the biggest thing really is going somewhere where they feel like it's truly theirs and not bombarded and not overran by ads and brands trying to just like get your attention. So, right, right. I, yeah, I agree with that. I think there's um, through social media listening here at Mental, we learned that um, about 11% of consumers have a more positive sentiment on TikTok over any other social media platform. So, I mean, that's, that's a really big number. Mm. Um, just how much more con- positively consumers respond over TikTok versus, you know, the other platforms. Again, like going back to um, the, just the bipartisan view, I like that TikTok shows me both sides of the story. I like that I can, you know, form my own opinion um, based off of what both sides of the story are saying. Um, and I think that's like really important and why, you know, there might be like that little freedom of speech um, component kind of coming into play here. Um, and in terms of like the advertisements that we're seeing, um, again, like when you're watching a TikTok ad, 90% of the time, it really does not even feel like an ad. And I think mm. that's so important. And like what, brands can really just learn from the platform and transcend that over the other platforms as well. Just because you're not being shoved down a product promotion on something. You're, you're, it feels like an authentic review. And actually, like when I end up watching a full TikTok ad, I get mad. I'm like, I really did not think that this was, <laughs> that this was an ad. Like it feels so, it, it's like a real video. <laughs> it feels like you got got. That's how yeah, I feel when I, I watch. That. I'm like, oh, they, they got me again. Um, and then sometimes I'm like, oh, applaud, applaud to you. That was a great ad. <laughs> right? That's exactly. Well, hold, hold that thought on the ad, Al, because I, I do want to ask you about advertising and, and brands and the impact there. But look, before we get to that, I want to ask you about uh, 
content creators uh, and TikTok influencers. I'm, you know, Charlie D'Amelio has 149 million followers on TikTok. You know, what what does it mean for creators? What's someone like Charlie D'Amelio going to do? I think um, in terms of like the content creators, um, what really stands TikTok apart, you know, it's just the ability to go viral, um, the ability to get this insane audience and maximize one's reach just based off a single video. And that's basically how all, all of these content creators, these influencers that we're seeing on TikTok, like how they became so big and became content creators is based off of one single video going viral um, and on other platforms that necessarily is not the case. Um, that's necessarily like not how one can... Um, increase their presence on, on a platform. And that's like what makes TikTok, you know, really stand out is that it can just be a single video that people just really respond well to and they can blow up from that. Mm -hmm. And I think who's really going to be affected by this is small businesses. Um, you know, small businesses have like really been able to maximize their reach and discovery potential from TikTok based off of, you know, the ability to go viral. Um, I really don't know another way that I have discovered small businesses besides maybe seeing a YouTube review um, or, you know, searching them on Etsy or something like that. But through TikTok, like these small businesses are really getting maximum reach um, and maximum like audience engagements. I think for content creators, what they get with TikTok is somewhat unique to what they are able to get in partnership with other platforms. TikTok has done a lot of work to really make it a place for creating uh, for creators of all you know sizes, essentially, to connect with brands. Like they are making like you know creator hubs or you know bringing the brands to the influencers, and it's really kind of a partnership where it seems like they are listening to the people who are using their platform. Whereas it doesn't always seem, you know, you know, from the influencers themselves, Instagram doesn't do it the same way. YouTube doesn't do it the same way. There's not as much like investment or, you know, really thoughtfulness put into like what the actual creator's experience was. You know, I mean, I, I remember back when, you know, I originally got on the platform. One of the things was like when you kind of like made it on TikTok, they like sent you a box essentially that was like TikTok influencer. And like, it just feels like a little bit of a personalized experience. So I think that creators having that expectation now, if TikTok is gone, if it is no more, I think they're going to demand a little bit more from mm. the platforms that they're partnering with. I think they're going to say like, hey, this is like now I know like what I need from you, you know, as a platform, as a solution. If you want me to bring my audience and my content here, I need you to like add these features to make these things possible. So I think that they may have a little bit more power you know, because they're going to have to go somewhere. And I think that, you know, knowing what they've got from TikTok, they're going to be able to kind of leverage that um, in those conversations a little bit more collectively. It's a real threat to their livelihood, right? Oh, I mean, yeah, for sure. Um, you know, and creators themselves, similar to brands and, you know, like we always say like diversify. So like diversify your audience. Like you don't want to put yeah. all your eggs in one basket. So like, you know, they're not only on TikTok, like they're also on Instagram. Like I've also seen like the posts like shared to Facebook stories. So like they are on those other platforms, 
their audiences just aren't as big there. So, you know, if it's banned, I, the ban itself will roll out very slowly. Essentially, like you'll just stop getting the app updated. You know, they won't let you download it in the app stores. But a lot of people who still have it on their phones will have it essentially until it like goes out of date to where your software and like the app don't work. So like they'll have time to say like, hey, this is where I'm going. This is where you can find my content. Like, please continue like engaging with me in this way. And I think they'll kind of point their audiences in the right direction. On the same, like going off of that, um, I've also seen many content creators asking their audiences, hey, where are you guys going if this is banned? Where should I go based off of where you're going? Mm -hmm. And I think that just like really adds to the overall conversation of like the connection that a content creator has with their followers that they would be willing. It's it's not about the platform, really. It's like it's about their audience. It's about their followers. Where are you guys going? And I will follow you. That's really interesting. Uh, yeah. And it just underscores that need to have a more diversified strategy. And maybe influencers going forward are going to make sure they have a more diversified approach uh, to the different platforms Absolutely. that they use. All right, so let's go back to the advertising. We started to get into that, but I do want to ask you about that. So um, obviously, huge impact on advertisers. There were brands thinking about how to get onto TikTok. We talked about that last time in our last podcast on TikTok. So what does this mean for advertisers? Well, I mean, it's a big question that everyone's, you know, asking, but the best thing about, you know, TikTok digital advertising is it's pretty nimble. So there is no need to like flee right now, like the app is still up, it's still running, it's still very engaging. And so like, yes, you should be diversifying your spend, right? We've talked about that. You want to connect with your audiences in more places than one, however you can do that. But like, there's no like real urgency of like, where, where do I go? You don't have to go anywhere right now. Like you can stay put, you can continue kind of learning how to like maximize your presence on a platform like TikTok. And those learnings will carry to when you move to other social platforms like Instagram or Facebook or YouTube shorts. So I think it it's really just imperative for the brands to kind of learn as much as they can from the platform right now and kind of know if we need to move, like, yes, we can move. But also, I think something that's really interesting, I actually was just sharing this with Marissa this morning, but how things that have gone viral on TikTok are being infused into bigger campaigns. So, you know, Applebee's did a whole thing um, with the Walker Hayes song that, you know, blew up. It was, in, it was part of their national TV campaigns, similar to like, um, there's a whole thing on TikTok about like icks. So like things that you're kind of like, eh, you don't like them. And that is now part of like, tenders like national campaign for april fool's day and like they're essentially like removing pictures of guys with fish because it's an ick like it's like three and four of our like study found that like this is not what you want to see on a dating profile um and so i think that yes as far as like a platform there's always somewhere else you can go but i think what tiktok does is they give you that learning opportunity of being super culturally relevant so continue Mm -hmm. learning how your customers are talking, how your customers are using the platform, what things are going viral, because immediately now, you know, 150 million people, they see the hot trends. You know, you see it, everyone's doing like a viral dance or, you know, we're all listing our icks on our first date. Like it becomes kind of part of this like social conversation. So just like any other platform, brands have to listen and make sure that they're kind of having these really unique cultural ties. So I think it is a continued learning opportunity for brands and I don't expect them to go anywhere as long as the platform's still up and running. 
Right. I, I, I completely agree. I think like the lessons that brands have learned on platforms like TikTok or even Be Real for that about just being authentic, um, you know, not pushing advertising down users' throats, like something that's very natural, that's genuine, um, you know, adding to the overall conversation instead of just intruding on the conversation and, um, you know, building a community and, you know, being, being very innovative in the way that you approach um, your audiences. I think, you know, this, all of these lessons can transcend from platform to platform mm. and brands just have to, you know, maximize and leverage what they've learned here um, to be just as successful even on other platforms. Yeah. And I think that's something that we, you know, we really found when we were doing our kind of winning strategies on TikTok, you know, Compromedia coverage. And that was one of the biggest things was essentially just like learning and listening to like what's happening. Video first content is so engaging because you were able to not only like add a, you know, a voice to your brand, to your messaging, but you're able to essentially like you know, provide vivid imagery, like to really show that like user who you are. And it doesn't have to be about selling your product, right? Like you can just tap into a space like one of my item, one of Marissa's favorite. It's like the Duolingo owl. Like they don't talk anything about what they (laughs) offer as a service. They are just a comedic presence that has like now recognized like the Duolingo ad, like the owl. Like I literally used the Duolingo owl as like a, you know, a card that I played in like a cards against humanity game. And like, it was hilarious. Like everyone loved it because we all know who the Duolingo owl is because of their presence on TikTok. Um, We're bringing it on home, John B. (laughs) 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 That's my favorite TikTok. (laughs) Like I love Duolingo. They do so well. (laughs) So what was the, just for for our listeners, what was the name of that report you mentioned there, Nicole, and where can Compare Media clients find that? Yeah, it's um, called Winning Strategies, uh, Three Brand Opportunities on TikTok. So there's a blog on it and there is a Compromedia report. So really, really interesting stuff there. Um, But yeah, I think, you know, just kind of like wrapping it up on brands. It's how can you like just be there, but not sell something is the biggest question. And I also think that TikTok itself has like kind of suppressed that from the experience. So I think it's that learning that like adding some kind of like personal touches and like, you know, beyond like, you know, like your CPG brands or like your financial services brands, like sports teams, like anybody that has like basically a cast of characters showing them in like a really well light, real light. That's something that we're seeing Netflix do a ton on TikTok right now. It's like they're not advertising anything. They're just giving their consumers more access to the characters and the shows that they are creating. It's kind of like fun, yeah. like Q&As and like you're, you know, if you want to know more about how, who John B is and his real life from the Outer Banks, here he is. And we're all learning about it together. Right. Um, yeah, relevancy relevancy is so key in this situation. Trending yeah. topics, li- listening. Like we've mentioned like this entire episode, listen to what everyone is saying. It really is, you know, what younger generations are expecting from brands. And it will be ever, you know, paramount for brands to continually, like we said, listen to what consumers want and then, you know, understand how they can navigate that relationship because really you're going to earn that top of mind recognition 
by having a presence on the platform in a meaningful way. It's going to go a lot farther than spending, you know, $500,000 to run your ad because no one wants to see that. No one's going to remember it. So like figure out how you can really ingrain your brand into that day-to-day life that those consumers and that entertainment experience that they're looking for. So it's a good one. Great. Well, this has been a brilliant uh, conversation. Uh, My three takeaways, this could really happen. My goodness, this could really happen. So, you know, whether or not you're advertised on TikTok, you know, you need to stay on top of it. Um, Number two is why that's so important is that it's so wide reaching in terms of its impact. You know, we've talked today about the impact on consumers, on creators, on advertisers, on the the whole social media landscape. Um, And number three, I, you know, love what you were both talking about there in terms of, you know, don't panic. It's not going away tomorrow. And there's this still this opportunity for learning and being culturally relevant. Um, And those lessons, of course, you can you know, utilize across other channels and other platforms. All right. So thank you, Nicole and Marissa. Thank you everyone for listening. The conversation doesn't end here. Head over to Mintel's LinkedIn and Instagram and let us know what you think. We'd love to hear your thoughts. If you want to know more about Mintel, visit Mintel.com and sign up to become a member of the free Mintel Spotlight community. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Goodbye for now, and we'll catch you next time for a new episode of Little Conversation. Little Conversation.